1: 630 Chad inside sports with Reed Wilkins weekdays at six on 630 Chad. Daryl Sutter back behind the bench for the Calgary Flames. They drop the puck against the Montreal Canadiens in one hour in Toronto. The Jets lead the Maple Leafs one nothing early in the second frame. Ehlers with his 12th of the season. Lightning and Red Wings tied 2-2 late in the first in the second period. No score Panthers and Blue Jackets. Hurricanes up three nothing on the Predators even though Nashville has a 15-6 advantage in shots on goal. Also early in the second period, Capitals up 2-1 on the Flyers, and it's the Islanders leading the Devils 2-zip. Penguins and Sabres tied 1-1. Bruins lead the Rangers 2-0. Pasternak and Bergeron, the goal scorers in that game. The Edmonton Oilers back at it tomorrow night. Final game of the seven-game homestand. They lost the first three. They've won the most recent three. They will play the Ottawa Senators at 7 o'clock. Our coverage on 6.30, Chet, will start with the face-off show at 5.30. Also, in the NBA tonight, the Toronto Raptors taking on the Atlanta Hawks. Of course, the Raptors playing their home games in Tampa, Florida this season. And uh, we have the Hawks leading at 31-23 with the second quarter about to start. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. My name is Reed Wilkins, Inside Sports on Oilers and E Radio 630. chat. a lot of hockey talk to get you through tonight. You'll hear a little bit from Ken Holland, who held a Zoom availability with us wags in the media today. Devin Shore, forward for your Edmonton Oilers, is going to join us on the show in about uh, nine or ten minutes, maybe even a little less than that. Chris Versteeg is on, Jack Michaels is on, and speaking of the double e football team, Chris Presson on between 7.30 and 8 for his take on the CFL-XFL arrangement, relationship, whatever you want to call it, and uh, we'll tell you what he thinks about the upcoming 2021 season. Are we going to have one? Are you going to be able to go to the games? All those things like that. You can get in touch, 780-496-0063. That's our hotline presented by CertainTeed, professional-grade building materials pro all the way. Okay, so let's dive in with a few of the choice cuts from Ken Holland today. First of all, he was asked any update on contract talks with Ryan Nugent Hopkins.
2: When you look around the league with the pandemic, um, the flat cap, obviously, it it appears it's going to be flat for the next, I think Gary Bettman, if I'm not mistaken, said uh, recently in the last couple of days, you know, it's going to be flat here for the next three, four years. It's 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 trying to find a solution that works for the player and also makes good sense for the team. It's a different sort of a new marketplace. So I think that's all added up to um, the slowness of the market. And in you know in Ryan's case again, I I I would like to have him as part of our team going forward, but. but a deal has to make sense for both sides. And again, there's an unknown here because uh, we've never been here with a flat cap for uh, looking looking forward for the next few years and how and how it's going to affect the decisions that everybody makes um, in this league. All right, so we've
1: kind of heard that from Holland before in terms of wanting Ryan Nugent Hopkins here, but... You know he's not going to do it at all costs. Is basically what I'm hearing in that one. The salary cap not expected to go up for the next three or four years. So if Nugent Hopkins wants uh, a significant raise, who knows what could or could not be worked out as they move along. What about Oscar Clefbaum? Is he finally having surgery on his shoulder?
2: Clef's getting surgery. There's a book date. He a, a date booked. A surgery date booked. It's like March 20th, 25th, somewhere in that in that time frame in uh, in Cleveland.
1: All right. So. That's been hovering over the Oscar Clefbaum story for quite a bit. Finally getting surgery basically in 10 to 14 days. And then, I mean, a pretty long recovery from there, I think. So we're already into March. Uh, Gary Bettman said today they, they plan to start next season on time. Training camp in September, games in October. So if Oscar Clefbaum is going to be able to continue to play hockey, he might not be ready for the start of next season. The trade deadline is April 12th. What would Ken Holland be looking for?
2: Well, I would say to you, Ryan, you know, if you look at the moves, you know, I look at our team this year versus last year, I I, I believe we're deeper this year than we were last year. Um, you know, that part was that was by design. If you look at the, uh, you know, the offseason that we had, um, you know, we, I signed a lot of, you know, we're, we're, we're able to carry – basically 29 players um 23 on the active roster and six on the uh, so we, we've got a, a a team of 29 so um you know we went out and signed lots of veteran nhl players last year i don't think we were quite as deep um you know I, 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 as an example i signed mike green last or traded for mike green last year at the deadline um you know, we've, we, Bouchard is here now, um, we had signed Slater-Cuckoo, Tyson-Berry, um, Lagason's a year older, Jones is a year older, Bears a year older. You know, so I think we're deeper on defense this year than we were uh, a year ago. Um, I, again, I think there's, there's, we've got, what, 16, 17 NHL forwards that are on our 29 man list so I'm not looking for depth last year I, I, I made a I made a couple of moves for depth and maybe tried to swing at the fence a little bit on on uh, Athanasiu. Um so I'm not, I don't think we need depth I think we've got feel good about our depth if there's a player out there that we think can can go into our lineup and have an impact more than depth probably that would be something that I would I would look at. All right, so Ken Holland not looking for a bit player,
1: looking for more of a headliner as the trade deadline is now a month and a day away. Devin Shore from your Edmonton Oilers, one-on-one next on Inside Sports. an assist last night to help the Edmonton Oilers beat the Ottawa Senators 7-1 forward Devin Shore joins us on Inside Sports. Devin welcome to the show how are you doing? I'm good I'm good thanks for having me. Well thanks for hopping on the show and you guys have won three in a row and a pretty convincing win over the Ottawa Senators last night and uh, you were involved in one of the goals I don't know how many two on O's you've had in your career, Devin, but they don't happen very often in the NHL. So when you're, when you're going in two on O, what, what are you thinking? And, and tell everybody about that play.
0: Uh, yeah, they definitely don't, don't come too often. Like you said, uh, especially, especially in this league, but uh, when you take it uh, or when you get it, sorry, you, you got to do your best to make sure to make it count. And on that one, I think it was, it was a, uh, it was a pretty instinctual play there. If, I think, on a 2 on 0 if you spend too much time thinking and or, or you're making the perfect play, that can kind of work against you. So, yeah, that one you just try to make a one quick fake and dish it over, and, and JJ buried it. So, yeah, that was a fun one.
1: Yeah. Well, and a great start to that game for you guys last night. A Couple of quick ones and then two later in the period to make it four-nothing. So, when you get up big in a, in a game like that, you know, what what kind of things do you focus on to to hang on to that lead or or even expand it, which you guys were able to do in this in the second period? Uh I think the
0: the big thing is to to stick with it and and really not change much. I think that was a a really good first period by our entire group and uh and we got the results to show it so um there's there's no sense changing changing anything and and you know you're going up against a, a young team who, who's who you know that they they work really hard and and can create off their four check and i think if you look back they came back against toronto they were down three or four and and went in overtime so you think about that a little bit but th- the main part is just focusing on what got us there and and sticking with that
1: in terms of the team season, we're at the halfway point now and already several storylines throughout the year. And look, you guys have had a couple sections of the year that that weren't that great, you know, three and six start and then those three really uh, tough home games against Toronto, which wasn't that, that long ago, but, but overall, a, a pretty good record. So tell me about riding through those tough times, maybe some uh, key people or messages that have kept the team focused and ultimately led to you being in a good spot.
0: Yeah, I think uh well in any season you're going to go through through the ups and the downs and with the condensed schedule and how quickly games come in, I think it's really important to manage that like cause sort of accepting that you're not going to go 56 and 0, so when those those lulls do come, um just to make sure to come together as a group and 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 stay even-keeled to to make sure those lulls don't last too long and I think We have a a really good uh, group of character guys in the dressing room. And fortunately for us so far, the, the down, the down spells of the season haven't been too long, which is good. And I, and if you look at it the right way, I I think you, you, you learn a lot going through adversity. Um, we view ourselves as a playoff team. So, um, when we do get to the playoffs, uh, there, there's going to be similar uh, momentum swings and similar adversity. So, um, you you try not to get down on your on yourself as an individual and, and as a group too much and and view it with the right mindset because uh because you know that those those bumps down the road are, are inevitable and I think we've done a good job of that.
1: Yeah. Well, and, and for you personally, uh you know, you're you're a depth guy so you've been uh, in and out and and had to go through the waiver process to go uh, onto the taxi squad and, uh, you, you know, you've played basically half the the team's games to this point. So, I mean, how have you personally managed that? Maybe just a little bit of, of uncertainty of whether you're going to be in and out and making sure you're ready when you do get the call.
0: Yeah, exactly. It's something I, I work on mentally, you know, each day you have to approach it with the, with the right mindset because it can be stressful at times and, and we're all competitors and, um, we all want to be in every night. You know, I I want to, of course, of course you want to play every night, but we have a ton of really good players on this team and a lot of bodies. And with the taxi squad and COVID um, it it really is a a weird year. So, so for me, you just got to really make sure you're coming in each day, whether you're playing or not um, and, and making sure you got the right attitude and, and making sure you're, you're getting better. So when, when you do get called upon, you don't skip a beat right so it's it's tough at times but i think if you if you look at it the right way and and just know that when you do come in you can still play even if you haven't played in in a while to not grip the grip the stick too tight and and still play uh your game uh, that's all you can do just just do whatever you can to, to help the team when you're called upon
1: Tell us a little bit about those. Uh, and, I, and I know sometimes everybody will practice as a group, but sometimes we'll, when the the guys on the taxi squad will, will have their own, uh, you know, workout with the you know, the six or seven guys there. How did, did those get pretty intense? Like do you try to keep the battle level <laughs> pretty high so you can as, as close to simulate a game as possible.
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean, nothing will ever simulate uh, an actual game and you, you kind of accept that, but I think, uh, the coaching staff who run those skates and, and our strength and conditioning staff have done a really good job at managing the load because you, you have to make sure you're you're staying uh in in top shape so when you do get in physically you don't skip a beat but at the same time they're not rinsing us out there right like if, if they were to just bag skate us all the time maybe we, we'd go into a game kind of behind the eight ball so i think they've done a great job at, at making sure that we're doing the right amount of work where we're, we're ready to go, but also fresh. So it's, it's been good. The skates are competitive. Um, and, and, and the guys bring a good attitude to it and we make it fun. It's a lot easier to work hard when you're, when you're having fun. So it's, it's, it's been all right.
1: Devin Shore from the Edmonton Oilers joining us tonight on Inside Sports. The Oilers and Senators are going to play Friday night at Rogers Place. Uh, you know, I want to give Oilers fans a chance to, to 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 get to know you a little bit better as well. I mean, you grew up in uh, in southern Ontario. Um, I, I mean, dare I ask, does that mean you were automatically a Leafs fan <laughs> as a kid? Or uh, who are the teams and athletes you looked up to as a little? Yeah,
0: I was. I was a bit of a an odd ball. I liked the Leafs and the Habs growing up. It was weird. My, my grandma read me a, a children's book about Maurice Richard. Obviously I never watched him play, but, um, I made her read that book to me You know, every night when we were at the cottage. So that kind of sparked my appreciation for the Habs and, and their tradition, but obviously living in Southern Ontario, the, the Leafs are everywhere and they're the team that's on, on TV each night. So you watch those. So a <laughs> bit of a weird answer, but, um, I kind of I kind of just liked watching the games. You know, I uh, you, you definitely cheer cheer for the Leafs and, and stuff when when they're playing, but I just in, enjoyed watching hockey.
1: Was it always hockey for you as a kid or were there any other sports you excelled at or just were interested in? I played uh, I played lacrosse every summer
0: uh until I was 15 and uh I was fortunate enough to be on a uh, a really good team growing up there. There's a bunch of guys on that team um who are who are either playing professional lacrosse um and drake Cajula was on that team he's he's in arizona now so he's playing professional hockey and the lacrosse community is pretty pretty uh small in in southern ontario so both richie boys i played with and against in lacrosse i played with uh scott lawton uh for team ontario so yeah it's uh the sports community both (coughs) sorry (laughs) there's a doorbell and a dog that's my fault but, uh, yeah, no, it's, a, it's a small community, and, and so it's kind of cool seeing all that. Well, I'm glad you got the dog to Edmonton. That's important, right? You gotta <laughs> have your best friend here. <laughs> yeah exactly i apologize there i just went into a, a quieter room hopefully that that works
1: well don't worry that that's that's great live radio so we don't And and, and dogs are a big thing on the Oilers, right i mean uh you got leonard and leon's dog and jesse revealed revealed his dog a couple of weeks ago so what else oh, you were doing this on the fly who who, who is uh, who is your dog what breed is he or she uh, she's a mini labradoodle
0: uh, and her name's potter i'm a big harry potter fan so that's kind of the thing i nerd out on so we named okay. her potter
1: <laughs> what got you interested in harry potter but the books or the movies
0: um it was it was originally the books but i i love the books love the movies and uh <laughs> yeah that's that's uh the thing i kind of fanboy out on okay all right a bit of that, that that's a nice little aside I, I yeah I, I, there I, you I, go I yeah know. that wouldn't happen if uh, i apologize to the listeners for the the dog barking but now you know i'm a big harry potter fan. Hey, there, there are
1: a lot worse things we can have go on the radio Devin, than a dog barking trust me i, I <laughs> I've, I've put some of them on myself unfortunately over the years so just uh, just kind of give us that uh that journey for you um you know you did get drafted 61st overall so you know a relatively high pick but also you know the path going through um going through the ncaa and having to work your way up through through that way did, did you have that moment um, either when you were in the NHL or maybe just prior to joining the NHL where you feel like, okay, no, I I belong. Like I, I figured out what I'm going to need to do to to be a pro. Because I think that mental step, I often ask players about that, taking that mental step to sort of believe you can do it and feel you have the tool belt is, it can be a really big one.
0: Yeah, it was, uh, I, I was a, a late bloomer physically. Uh, so that's that's why we went, Uh, the college route to kind of extend that window to get bigger and stronger and and get ready to to be a pro um i got drafted when i was playing tier two out of uh in in the ojhl for whitby and uh and that was unexpected i i I had a good year and was was fortunate enough to get drafted but the plan was kind of to go to college Hopefully, have four good years and 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 mature physically, and, and hopefully sign as a free agent. Like you see guys all the time who go undrafted and have a great college career and and sign pro from there. So that was kind of the plan. And then getting drafted at a tier two at 17 um, really helped with that. Um, it, it it made the the process not easier, but it it helped. It's it's an opportunity, right? Which is which is all you can ask for um and then so uh, after that college career I went and jumped into the AHL and that might have been a a, one of the moments um just just playing pro like I was I was a good college player but I I wouldn't say dominant or anything so when I got up to the AHL and realized I was able to to make some plays and stuff you know the NHL is a huge jump after that but that that was like okay I'm I'm playing pro and I could actually kind of do my thing out there and and then when you when you get called up to the NHL, I, I think if you ask anyone, um, that first year I, I was able to score a goal in the second game, and then you can kind of take a take a exhale and say, okay, maybe I can do this. And just each day, the, the confidence grows. And you know, I was fortunate that I got an opportunity from Lindy Ruff my first year. He he played me and and trust me and and it's it, there's been ups and downs from there but it, but it's been a blast and it's been a fun ride yeah,
1: yeah. well it, it's great seeing you play for the oilers devin and be a part of the team's success uh, i could say this interview went to the dogs but uh it was a pretty it was a pretty good one so thanks for making yeah. time for us here on inside sports i hope we can chat again
0: yeah me too nice talking to you
1: <laughs> that is some good stuff from oilers forward devin shore with a cameo From his dog, Potter. Oilers and Sens tomorrow. We got Christopher Steed coming up next. having a heck of a year now eight and two for the Edmonton Oilers who are up to 17 and 11 on the season halfway through the year not bad considering they were once three and six here's what's going on in the NHL tonight it's now 2-1 Jets leading the Maple Leafs Ehlers has both goals for the Jets Marner has scored for Toronto we're gonna have Calgary play Montreal in about half an hour with Daryl Sutter behind the bench Detroit's up 3-2 on the Lightning. After the first period, only six shots for Detroit, but they have three goals. Late second period, 2-1 for the Blue Jackets against the Panthers. Hurricanes up four zip on the Preds. Washington leads Philly 3-1, 4-0 for the Islanders over the Devils. 3-2 lead for the Penguins in Buffalo, and also late in the second period, another 4-0 game, Boston leading the Rangers 4-0, Jake DeBrusque, who was recently a healthy scratch, has scored in that game. It's his second of the season. NBA tonight, last minute of the first half, Atlanta leading the Raptors 62-57. Again, that Oilers game tomorrow, back to the uh, more usual 7 o'clock start time. And our face-off show will be at 5.30 here on 6.30, Chad. Then they're in Vancouver Saturday, busy stretch, five games in seven nights, Saturday's game is at 8 with the face-off show at 6.30 as we welcome former NHLer Chris Versteeg back to Inside Sports. Chris, it's good to talk to you. Uh, I'll, I'll start there. Let's talk about the order schedule. Five and seven. How do you stay focused? How do you stay, stay energetic during a run like that?
3: well you better win energetic or energy generally comes from winning games and it's a good thing they got back on track uh, especially after that that toronto series but it's good to see that uh they got the big boys together i was kind of asking about that uh at the end of their skid out in toronto media they're asking me about the oilers and um, Connor looked frustrated. I felt like it had to be a bit of uh, who he was playing with, and then seeing Leon play with uh, his line mate and Ryan Nugent Hopkins. Prior to that, um, you could see that they had chemistry, and he, he just wasn't getting to play with the players I think that could help him. So again, making your captain help or happy helps a lot too.
1: So what did you make of those three games against the Leafs? And, and I'm sure you've been on both sides of that where you, you go in there and I, I know you wouldn't have played a team three games in a row, but maybe you play a home and home or play a team three times in two or three weeks and maybe you pound them and you've probably been on the other end of that too. I think the Leafs are good. I, I would hesitate to say they're they're that much better than the Oilers, but they certainly were in those three games. What did you
3: see? Well, the, the, where the Leafs, have the Oilers on the back end big time. That's where the Oilers are going to... Uh, I think that's where they, the reason they struggle game in and game out consistency-wise is because of the back end. They just can't get the puck consistently uh, up the ice enough, not just to Connor, but to the rest of their lineup. Now, going into a three-game segment, the Leaf, Well, for sure the Oilers thought they were just going to come in and, and walk all over the Leafs when Austin wasn't in that game. They didn't. They didn't bring their game... What worried me was game two. You thought they were going to ignite. You thought the Oilers were going to come out. And the Leafs, again, took it to them early on. And generally, the Leafs have been a very good starting team. So they took it to them early on. and, And the Oilers didn't bounce back. But when I was watching that game, I was frustrated watching because of who Connor was playing with. I could see it was on his face just watching the game. You could see Leon was with Ryan. And actually at the start of the season when he was going his best was when with Nugent Hopkins was with Connor. So I felt like watching that game, I felt frustrated watching him. And I know that he needed players to play with, especially five on five. And then again in game three, uh, Tippett didn't do it. So you you saw a player who's the best player on the planet by a mile get frustrated because he wasn't getting much help, and that's nothing against the guys he was playing with. It's just he wasn't with the guy he was usually with in Ryan Nugent Hopkins. Now, he did a great thing going back to dry sidle after that whole kind of shenanigan happened with three games, not giving him anyone to work with, and now you can see what's happening when he has an elite player to play with five on five
1: so here here's and and you you played with uh, some great offensive players and great duos in Chicago which which I want to get to because recently one of them hit a very significant milestone but we're kind of all watching this in Edmonton thinking that this is probably quite temporary to have those two guys on the same line um but what, like would you just keep rolling it and then just roll the dice with the the other nine forwards which you know are okay but but not great. I think they're deeper than in recent years. I'm not going to say that they're a really deep team, or do you think eventually they got to split up the two big, big guys to center their own lines?
3: You, you've got to let them roll right now. you got to keep, keep them happy, keep them you know playing at this level. I have no problem keeping them like this for, you know, for a good stint here. Now, where you need to change is when you need to split them up, you can give Yamamoto to dry sidle, but you can't give Yamamoto... And Ryan Nugent Hopkins so to dry sidle. You gotta split those two up because those are by far the next two most creative players you have. Now, whether you put uh, Neil or someone who can score on the side of dry sidle and Yamamoto or someone who plays consistently like Neil can as a scorer or a chase on on the on the top, but give McDavid a player an elite offensive playmaker who can get him the puck, not not I'm saying home run plays, that'll be open nets, but who can get him the puck in his zone, through the neutral zone, players like Yamamoto and Nugent Hopkins, give him someone that can make those plays. I know they're trying with Ennis and Ennis can too, but Yamamoto and Nugent Hopkins can do it. And the reason I say that is because everyone's going to check Connor over Leon. So you're going to have an easier matchup for Leon. So don't just give, you know, Connor anybody. I know he can make anybody look good, but give him somebody to work with, especially in the five-on-five situation. Give him Ryan Nugent Hopkins. And again, Yamamoto and Dryside will work well together. Let them do their thing. But when you're getting checked that hard, you need someone to play with. Well,
1: what do you think of Jesse Pugliarvi then? Because that's, I, I know we talked in the past that when, when you were uh, briefly an oiler on, on the PTO, they were pitching to you maybe to, to mentor Jesse and his first stint here didn't work out very well. I think he's definitely improved this, this season. Do I think he's yeah. awesome? I don't, but I, I think he's figuring out ways to be effective. So I'm wondering how you sort of classify him.
3: Yeah, you're, you're right. Is is he that fourth overall guy that we all expected? No. Is he going to be that guy? I'm not sure he's going to be consistently that guy where, you know, he scores 30 goals a year. I, I don't, he might, he has the ability to score 30, but is he going to be, he's going to be a PK. Is he going to be a, you know, an all around hockey player? He's not going to be that he's going to be a goal scorer. He's going to be a guy that can get in there here and there and, and you know, pitch in 20 goals maybe 30 on a hot year because of the players he plays with so he's got to be that guy who can go up and down the lineup help dry sidle, help uh when he's hot help connor mcdavid when he's hot get to the net and he is a lot better than i think people are giving him credit for when he was at the you know at the down end of his you know before he went to finland but again He's, I don't know if he's ever going to be a superstar. he's not going to be a star, but he can be a guy that can get you 20, can maybe get you 30 and especially open up some space for those top guys on you know on the ice. And he's been doing that pretty well so far. All right,
1: so so here's one for you because you were you were a pretty solid offensive performer and you you understood what you had to do to create plays and, and put the puck in the net. If you were ever on a line with a younger player or a younger struggling player, like, would you say anything to him to relax him or to give him the keep it simple talk or, or how would you build that
3: bond? Yeah, you you always try to tell them to keep it simple and you try to state, get ready to play in the D zone. You don't even tell them to focus about the O zone. Say, focus on the D zone and the rest will come because the problem is, is when you're not feeling well and when you're not confident, all of a sudden you feel like everything's going in your net. So focus on playing hard in that zone. Focus on keeping things simple, especially early on in the game. Try to, you know, not just do too much early on in the game that's where the confidence can lack is if you're turning the puck over the coach gets on you or you're missing shifts so early on in the game keep it simple focus on defense get yourself into the game emotionally and the rest will come because young guys want to do everything at the start of the game
1: All right. Chris Versteeg joining us tonight on Inside Sports. Two-time Stanley Cup champion, over 700 games in the NHL, regular season and playoffs combined, uh, Chicago, Florida, and... Calgary his uh, his main stops in the NHL and so, some stints with some other teams as well. okay Patrick Kane um, I mean you knew him as a, as a youngster and then you knew him when he was a little more established clearly one of the greatest offensive players of of this you know century if we go back 20 or 21 years 1,000 games the other night Let, let's go way back first uh, I mean what do you remember about a, a young Patrick Kane and him? You know, again, talking about young players learning the ropes. Take us back to that stage of Kane's career.
3: Well, the game is so much different now than it was 15, you know, 14, 15 years ago in the sense that the slashing, the the box outs, the interference, uh, the hits to the head, everything is so much different now. So seeing a player play the same way today as he was 15 years ago at his size, is remarkable, and it was his dedication to the game. Everyone says that he was just this fun-loving guy. This guy was on the ice all the time working on his game, and I would call him in July, and I'd be like, what's up? He'd be like, I'm just headed to the rink. He's like, what are you doing? I'm like, well, I'm not headed to the rink until August, you know, And, and that was just who he was. It was crazy, his dedication. Everyone talked about Taze. Yeah, Taze had a lot of dedication to the game, but Patrick's dedication... To the game is why he's still so great today. He was also, again, I've said this a while ago, he was playing the game, he was playing the game, today's game 15 years ago, and he's still doing it today the same effective way, which is remarkable because no one, there's a lot of small players today that could not play the same way they play played today 15 years ago, and he can. It's a testament to his brain. He's the smartest player on the ice. He's got the best hands on the ice. He's got the best edge work on the ice. I mean, he doesn't got Connor's speed, but this is something that he's done for such a long time, and that's why he's such a special player, the best ever American player to ever do it.
1: Well, and, and I'm glad you brought up some of those compliments you gave him, and you mentioned his speed and his edge work, and one thing I've really noticed, Chris, especially when you see him live because you get a little better better sense of the spacing on the ice live as opposed to TV. So when the Hawks have, have come to play at Roger's place, he will drive the puck across the blue line and then cut into the middle. And he's so quick and shifty that a lot of players in that situation, even good, big offensive players, would get drilled. And he has that ability to, to take the puck into the middle of the ice and not lose a stride and not get you know, blown up by anybody and like still make a great play out of it. That's what really strikes me when I see him play in person.
3: Yeah, it's like a running back as a football player. They see holes. They know where to go. They can read the body of the player that's defending. Patrick can do a lot of that. He sees a hole. He sees what way a guy's crossing over, and he sees plays like all the great players do. They're always a few steps ahead, and the way they can read the other player's body positioning and maybe their shoulder movements to create lanes is just something only superstars can do. And the other thing is with his feet, he doesn't just stop his feet moving like when. When I would stop up, my feet would kind of track and I wouldn't keep my feet moving because I'd be looking for a pass. The top players, the guys like Patrick Kane and Sidney Crosby and Connor McDavid and Leon Drysaddle, they can keep their feet moving while they're thinking about doing that pass, while they're cutting, you know, driving the play down on the boards, curling up, their feet continually keep moving, and that's why they can separate themselves from the other players to make more plays and other plays open up. So what he does is it's just incredible to watch. I don't know how his brain's functioning at that high of a level. It's pretty remarkable, Um, but I was always a recipient of some nice passes, so I was okay with it.
1: Yeah, no kidding. Uh, Okay, before I let you go, we got to do this more often because I always love having you on. What do you think of uh, Daryl Sutter back behind the bench with the Flames? He's going to debut in about 15 minutes here or re-debut, I suppose.
3: Yeah, I went on a rant, I think, two weeks ago in Calgary saying they needed a cultural reset. They needed everyone to understand where they sat in the room. Well, there's no uh, better guy to bring in for a cultural reset than Daryl Sutter. I said, I'm, I'm excited to see what he can bring to this team. I think he can help them early on. Uh, he's a guy that's very tactical. He's got that kind of war mentality. You know where you're going every night. It's going to be interesting to see how guys adapt to that. Some guys think they play in straight lines. You don't know straight line until you play for Daryl Sutter, there's one question I have asked about Daryl is just the way he likes teams to defend. He likes some isolation situations. It's going to be hard in today's game to isolate guys one on one and defend that. So it's going to be interesting to see the adjustments he's made as a coach over time. But he's a very smart coach, and I'd expect him to do it.
1: What's uh, okay? I lied. I got one more. What's the uh, wisest piece of advice you ever got from a coach? And you had some pretty good ones, obviously. Yeah, shut your mouth. (laughs) You talk too much sometimes, eh?
3: (laughs) I talk way too much, yeah. (laughs)
1: Okay. Chris, thanks for doing this. You're welcome to come on this show whenever you want and just keep talking. We love having you. Enjoy the games coming up this weekend, man. It's going to be fun.
3: For sure. Take care.
1: That is Chris Versteeg, check it in. Uh, 11 years in the National Hockey League, a couple of Stanley Cups with the Blackhawks and, of course, with Patrick Kane as a teammate. That was fun. Inside Sports on Chet. <laughs> If You've been following along on Inside Sports because we do have ongoing storylines. There's a bit of a soap opera element to the show. Maybe we need a little recap at the beginning where the guy comes on and says previously on Inside Sports and you get a little quick recap and then we launch into the show. We have a very loyal listener and texter who is uh, named Colton actually calls in sometimes after games as well. And Colton's texted in last week and said, Reed, I'm listening while I'm calving. And I uh, we just had a calf here, and I've named the calf Reed after you. And I was like, OK, that's pretty cool. So Colton tonight, just, give me a sec here. Sorry, I had to sneeze, so I turned my mic down. I'm not even in the barn with the calf, and I'm still sneezing. So Colton has texted in a picture of the calf. Have you seen this, Kellen? You follow uh, me did, on Twitter, yeah. so you must have seen it.
3: Yeah, I saw it earlier.
1: Very so cute. Colton said, go ahead and share the picture of Reed on your Twitter account. So the calf Reed is uh, on my Twitter account. And Colton added that this is a uh, bit of an abnormal calf, 132 pounds at birth and he says the average weight of a newborn calf is 86 pounds which I I had no idea Uh, I wouldn't have been able to guess the average weight of a calf so he certainly uh, educated me tonight so this calf was almost 50 pounds heavier than average and it almost weighs as much as I do already (laughs) a heavyweight calf a heavyweight calf there it is, Read the calf is a heavyweight calf so thank you Colton To my knowledge, I have never had uh, uh, an animal named after me, though my name certainly has appeared in the same sentence as horse crap a lot of times. Oilers and Senators are going to play tomorrow. It is the Canadian Division. Gary Bettman spoke today and says uh, don't expect the North Division, the Canadian Division, to be around next year.
4: On the issue of alignment Uh, We did what we had to do this year, Uh, we had no choice if we were going to play, and we respected as we had to, and we understood uh, the Canadian-US border, Uh, and so we created the North Division. Uh, I do believe that we may focus a little bit more on some more divisional play going forward, although I'm not sure this much divisional play would hold interest for an 82-game schedule. Um, but it's worked well for this year uh obviously i don't envision it continuing Uh, i know that that there are fans in the united states that would like to see the leafs and austin matthews edmonton and conor mcdavid fans in canada would like to see Sidney crosby and pittsburgh and and the list can go on and on um and what's interesting we've been we've been doing a lot of polling of fans and, and in that research what we're finding is Two thirds of our fans enjoyed what we did this year and about two thirds of the fans think we should go back to what we have had more traditionally and I think that's about right. I think fans were very understanding and even excited in some respects about what we had to do in this unique season, but I think our traditional alignment uh, makes more sense and is more widely accepted
1: yeah and they're planning on having things uh pretty much back to normal in in the fall, as you mentioned, maybe a, a bit of a continued emphasis on divisional games, but certainly not as much as we have seen this year. Jack Michaels, my goodness, he's up next six thirty Chad inside sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at six on six thirty Chad.